Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. In the parable right before that, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your direction. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your only Son, sent him to this earth to bring forth community and to pave that way for community between fallen man and you. I thank you, Father, for a sacrifice that we will spend eternity trying to understand the gravity of and probably never fully understand the boundaries of your love because there are none. We love you, Lord, and as as Brooke prayed, I give you my hands, I give you my feet, I give you my mouth, my will, to speak your will through me, whatever you desire. Father, we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage what the Lord has had on my heart this morning. It's it's wild. From the gifts meeting yesterday, for those of you who were there, he he had me going in in some different tracks, and and I I step into this morning service really not exactly sure the direction he's going to go with it. <laughs> so just like Brooke said, she's excited when when the Lord does things. That that's when I get excited when I don't know the pathway he is necessarily going to take. I do know this. One thing he laid heavy on my heart this morning, and, and this, is, this is a word for all of us, but this is really a word for those who watch. Specifically, those church leaders, those pastors, those ministry leaders in... Turn me up just a little bit. Those ministry leaders that lead small congregations that perhaps have started church in their home. Sounds kind of familiar, right? I want to encourage you that the measure of a church, the measure of a group of people that do the Lord's will and come together and unify to step in His pathway is not measured by their numbers. In fact, we are stepping into a time where what has been measured in that way in the past will be much the opposite in the times we're stepping into. I know that's easy to say when you're small. But I've got news for you. The small is going to change the world. 
Because it's the small in pockets all over the world that unify together in one thing. Jesus Christ is the head of that group. When he leads that group, he leads all the groups. You can imagine if there were, if, if we were the only group that he led, there'd be power in that, of course. But imagine if there were a hundred thousand groups just like us over the earth, where we take our direction solely from him where he literally holds the reins of leadership and we don't question it. We pour our faith into it. Imagine if he had 100,000 groups like that. Do you think that would make a difference? How about a million? Yeah. That's what he's doing. See, the change will not come through a large church. And Father told me this during worship, but I felt it for a long time. Change will not come through a large church because he will not share his glory. Change will not come through a small church if the small church will grasp at that glory. See, because the glory is all his. It has to be all his. He has to be the leader. So I want to encourage, and, and I, I know that I get messages from them, hundreds of messages from these pastors in, in Kenya, in India, in different parts of Asia, certainly in Nigeria, all over that, that I know are struggling because they're just a little house church. But I want to encourage you, trust in what he's doing. Don't try to grow. Growth could be your biggest foe. It could be the very thing that derails you the most. Do as we just read in his word. When you find that pearl, and that pearl is relationship in Jesus Christ, when you find that pearl, sell everything out for it. See, that pearl is faith. That pearl is faith. When you understand that the faith in Jesus Christ is the very thing that accelerates your relationship with Him, sell everything else that you have. All the predetermined thoughts of what it takes to grow a church. Sell it all. I'm not saying sell your stuff. It's not the point. The point is, sell out your heart. Sell out your heart. That's what he wants. Sell it, everything you have, and hold on to that one thing, which is relationship with Jesus Christ. Big things come in little packages. You know, most, I know people know this within our group here, but I'll mention this just to encourage those who, who send me these messages. And, and I apologize, I don't respond. I read some of them. 
but there are just too many to respond to. But what God has done in this church in just the last couple of years, let's say the last two years, do you know that we have seen over 10,000 people come to know the Lord? Through, through what God has done through this little body of people. You know, what, what, 40 people, whatever it is, depending on the Sunday. <laughs> A lot of them are in Nigeria, so there. Over 10,000 people in the last two years. Actually, a little less than the last two years. That's, that's an extraordinary thought. <clears throat> Think about that. We have seen people come to know the Lord that hated the Lord. That loved Satan. That literally worshipped Satan. That understood the spirit realm probably way more than we do. We saw a bride of Satan come to know Jesus as Savior. That's extraordinary. It's got nothing to do with us. We just found this awesome pearl. We just found this idea of relationship in Jesus Christ. Relationship with the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we grabbed hold. And we said, I need more. I need more. I will sell everything I have. I will literally pour every ounce of faith that I have into this relationship. And I have to because, it's, see, it's not tangible. It's not tangible. I can't, I can't call him up. Hey, Jesus. Yeah, how are you doing for lunch today? Right? Not in a physical sense. Although, I declare, Lord, that would really be awesome. Please. Please. And I know one day. I know one day we will. Because it, he promises in 1 Corinthians 13 that one day we'll see him face to face. So one day we'll be able to go grab lunch, go have coffee. I imagine how good that coffee will be. Drinks tea. Oh, he does not drink tea. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty positive. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, I mean, imagine a hundred times better than Starbucks. There you go. There you go. No, but but the, the the point is that when you find something that special, you sell out for it. You do everything you can to get as much of it as you can, right? That's what Jesus is. When I learned that relationship with him meant that I could actually hear his voice. Long before it ever happened, I yearned for it. I asked for it. I trusted for it. I poured full faith into it. That I don't even know how you're going to do it, Lord. But I see in your scripture, you spoke to Paul. And I hold the same status as Paul does. He was a sinner saved by grace. So if you talk to him... I know you could talk to me. Even before I understood scripture the way I do now, even before those things were opened up to me, I knew that through relationship, I would hear his voice. 
I remember the first time, I won't even say the first time I heard his voice because as, as I started to understand his voice, I started to realize, wow, he's been talking to me a long time. I just didn't hear it. I didn't recognize it. I didn't understand what it meant or what it was. But the first time I understood him speaking to me was one of the most humbling times in my life. It was, it was like it was like a wall exploded and I could walk right through it. It was the most extraordinary feeling I had had up till that point in my life. And see, the beauty of it is, that's not even a true statement anymore. Because that's only where it began. Then it was extraordinary time with him after extraordinary time with him after extraordinary time with him. And it continues to this day. Things that he shows me in scripture. And, and by the way, it's not because, well, I studied the Bible and I'm really smart. <laughs> I mean, these people can attest to the fact that that's not true. Yeah, and Shannon is not allowed to speak out loud either. But the truth is, it's because my spirit yearned for his spirit. I desired him. I was willing to sell everything for that pearl. And the beauty of that is, when you do that, He gives you everything else. It's just the most incredible thing in the world. Now, part of the problem that Satan uses to get people to, I don't know, not pursue him, think they're not worthy of pursuing him, is the fact that Satan will do his best to hide from you your right. Your right to Jesus. Do you know you have a right to Jesus? You have a right. When you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you have a right to pursue him. You don't have a right to pursue him in relationship until you've accept, accepted him in your heart. That's, that's like that invitation ticket. You're going to a concert, you've got to give a ticket, right? Well, here's my ticket. Now I can go into the concert and I can, I can be a part of what's going on there. That's what salvation is. When we accept him in our heart, that is our ticket. It's not just our ticket to heaven. It's our ticket to so much more. It's our ticket to going into that concert and saying, I want to be a part of this. Then you look down because you've had faith to believe in relationship with Him and you realize, wow, that ticket includes a backstage pass. How awesome. Anybody here ever go to a backstage pass for something? It was so cool. Backstage passes are really awesome, by the way. I used to have a limo company and we had a a contract up in Valley Forge and all the... All the singers and actors and whatever, they would come in and do things there, and we had all the backstage passes, and it was really cool. I got to meet people that, I mean, you, most people here wouldn't even know who they are, like Bob Hope. Anybody know who Bob Hope is? I know the older people do. He's, he's only, like, probably the most iconic person in the world. You children, 
need to go look, go Google him and look him up. <laughs> but getting to spend three days with him. And by the way, his wife was so much funnier than he was. She really was. And they had this poodle. It was about the size of a horse. I mean, you ever see those big poodles? This poodle was huge. We took him everywhere we went. But I got to spend three days with him. And I got to go backstage and I got to see, the, you know, his prep. And I got, to, I got to eat the buffet. That was really awesome. You know, they eat really well. I, I don't know how they keep weight off, but, uh, but it was awesome. I got to spend that time with them. Why? Because I had this backstage pass. Do you know when you begin to build relationship with Jesus, your ticket to heaven is stamped with a backstage pass? You get to have the access to him to build that relationship. It isn't like he sends you a note every now and then. Okay, you learn this, get this learned, then let me know, come take a test, and if, if, you, if you pass the test, then we'll move to the next section. Okay, that is so not him. A pass is a pass. You have a pass to go after him and know him. That's the key, that's the pearl. But in doing that, you need to know who you are. You know, this is something that's been swirling around in my head for the last couple of weeks. Understanding who we are in Christ, and I believe the Lord has given Alexis some things for this, so she's going to come up a little bit later, in case you didn't know that. If the Lord didn't give you anything, you better start talking to her. She's going to come up here in a little bit. But I want to lay a foundation of what it means to be a child of God in today's day and age. Okay? I want you to turn first in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to, I'm going to read through this. It really, the, the part that I want to get to is the, is the first part of chapter 3. But I, I want to start at verse 11 of chapter 2 because... Lord has just had the first two chapters of Ephesians on my on my mind and on my heart all week. That and then a few others like Galatians and and that. But I just want to start here. We, we may just read through it. If the Lord start, stops me, he stops me. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. What is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Okay, which is where the law came through, right? The law which, which came to literally convict people of their sin. To show our need for a savior. That came through Israel. But it says, verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. These covenants that God had made with Israel. And, and by the way, I'm not talking about the land. Okay? I'm talking about the promise of heaven. I'm talking about eternity. Eternal promises. Literally having no hope and without God in the world. And then I love these words in Scripture. But now, 
You see it in other places but God. Like here's this horrible thing that there's no answer to and everything's going to be really bad but God. And God gives a way out. God gives a way through. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Let me, let me explain real quick what that means. He didn't abolish the law. He abolished the practice of how to achieve the perfection of the law. Do you understand? If, if, if it was required by ordinances as it was in the Old Testament to achieve that perfection before the Lord, it was the process of that that was broken down. It wasn't God's perfect law. Do you know God still operates? In his perfect law. The father still operates in his perfect law. Why? Because his law, he didn't just think up his law when Moses went up the mountain. Oh man, I better give him something. Let me throw down these laws to Moses. No. He literally explained to Moses who he was. And what he expects as a righteous God. And from then he gave his son to become a buffer of that law. The law was sent to show that we need a savior. And so then God provided a savior. So when it says that he abolished the law of commandments, he didn't abolish the law. He abolished the expressed ordinances of that law. In other words, you don't have to go and kill a cow and shed its blood for the remission of sin. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? Okay. Now you can kill a cow for other reasons. Like food. I could now tell a story about a chicken, but I won't. Maybe, maybe one day I will let Nathan tell you that story. Anyways. I'm, I'm going to throw myself off track here. That he might create in himself, this is Jesus, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he, Jesus, might create in himself one new man in place of two. Who were the two? The Gentiles and the Jews. Right? For a Gentile to become a quote-unquote saved person, whatever their nomenclature was for that, for them to do that, they had to believe the same way that the Jew did. They had to perform within the law the same way that the Jew did. But they were still two different people. Two different types in the temple. There were two different places that they could be. So Jesus is... Plan And the Father's plan was to create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Thereby killing the hostility. That hostility that was created because the law was applied to a lawless flesh. 
Verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit, the Holy Spirit, to the Father. Let me give you a picture of that. And we've talked about this before, but I I think these pictures are important. The relationship that we build, to the best of of my understanding and what I've experienced so far, there is a relationship with all three. But the reality is the pressing forward of relationship is with the Father. Okay, It is facilitated by the Holy Spirit. Everything we do is facilitated by the Holy Spirit. That's when Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended, he said, trust me, you want me to go. You want me to go. Why? Because I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send this advisor to you, this one who will show you the way, who will show you the path that you need to step down. But who made it all possible? It was the blood of Jesus. It was the very veil that was placed over our lives that replaced the veil that was torn in the Holy of Holies. Does that make sense? So when the Father looks at you as you're trying to build relationship with Him, He doesn't see you for who you are. He sees you literally how Jesus sees you. He sees you with a filter of Jesus all over you. So that's why I said when we build relationship, we're building relationship with the Father, but we're also building relationship as we operate through the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus sees you for who you are. He's the covering. He sees you for who you are. That's why when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we are not automatically zero to a hundred on the scale of relationship. We are in our ticket to heaven. We are in our, in our path to get into the concert, right? But we're not when it comes to that relationship. That relationship has to be built. And I've seen it so many times in his court. I've seen it in his ready room. I've seen it in times when we've been in prayer with others and there was a manifestation where... I will ask the Father something. And before he answers me, he is talking to Jesus. You've seen that many times, right, Shannon? I know Anissa has. I know others have. Where he is literally talking. Now, I'm not privy to that conversation, but I could guess what it is. He's asking Jesus, tell me your thoughts about Greg. Tell me your thoughts about him. Tell me how you see him. Because he's looking at me with a veil of Jesus. And that veil of Jesus is not just my salvation. That veil of Jesus is the relationship that's being built. Verse 19, I believe is where we are. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. 
So there's an incredible, incredible foundation that has been built here that you are not, you are not recreating a foundation in your own life. Right? There are already foundations. When you go to build a relationship with Jesus, you're not plowing some new way. The foundation has already been laid. The cornerstone of that is Jesus. The foundation has been laid by the apostles, by the prophets, by those who went on before that have, have developed that foundation. The corner of which being Jesus Christ himself. Verse 21, in whom the whole structure, and this is Jesus being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's just go to the first verse of chapter 3. And we'll go on from there. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles... You who are outside of the law, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery, pay attention to that word, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery, the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Then he tells us in verse 6 what the mystery is. This mystery that was hidden prior to this in the Word of God, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, Members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Jesus Christ or in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Joint heirs. Okay. Joint heirs with who? I mean, we're joint heirs with Israel. Does that mean we get Israel's land? No. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the kingdom of God. It's talking about access to the Father. See, prior to Jesus Christ coming, the only access to the Father was through the high priest. And once a year. That was the only access to the Father. Except for times when, when through extraordinary circumstances, He would come and manifest. Just as Jesus did outside the walls of Jericho. Just as, as the Father did, or the Holy Spirit, whichever one it was, in the pillar of cloud, in the pillar of fire. Right? But now what you have is you have joint heirs. We are no different than the Jewish nation. They are no different than us in one thing. Accessing the kingdom of God. When Jesus came and died on the cross, He made it possible for us to access the kingdom of God. And by the way, it was not accessible before that, except in very certain circumstances and by certain chosen people. 
But now it opened it up to everybody. Everybody who would accept Jesus Christ as Savior and then build relationship with Him. You ever wonder why it, why it says that, that, that Jesus literally wants us to access His kingdom here on earth? Well, wait a second. I didn't think your kingdom was here on earth. I, you know, wouldn't we rather be in His kingdom somewhere else? That's, that's really kind of a difficult thing to, to think through. Until you understand that, and we've talked about this many times, what the currency of heaven is. What the currency of access to that kingdom is, and that is faith. The one thing that pleases God. The main thing that pleases God is our faith. So wouldn't it make sense that the very thing that accesses his kingdom while while we're here, we're here on earth, is faith. And yet, some people don't think it's accessible. If it's not accessible, why would he offer us to access it? God's not a tyrant. He doesn't tease. He doesn't lie. He lays down opportunity. Now, I know people listening to my voice, perhaps even here, might say, yeah, but I've never seen his kingdom. I've never experienced his kingdom. I would say to you that you've probably never recognized his kingdom. When you are in worship, when you are connected in worship, when you're connected in prayer, those two things specifically, you are and can experience his kingdom. You may not recognize it through sight. You may not recognize it through feeling, you know, that you can reach out and touch, or you might. But I can tell you through experience, it's there and you're in it. Because that's where he wants us to be. That's where our faith purchases us to be. So we become these joint heirs. Um... Let's. Uh, let me just read through real quick, verse 7. Of the gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that, verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Who are they? They're the angels. They're, they're the fallen angels. They're the demonic spirits. He's saying... Through the church. Who's the church? That's the mystery. The church is the mystery. Because prior to this point, there wasn't an understanding of church based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you with me on that? But through his church, through this mystery being revealed, he is going to, what did it say? 
bring to light for everyone, not just those who are there, but bring to light for everyone, everyone on the earth, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God. In other words, people in that time frame are going to see the very thing that was the mystery in his church. And it was this idea of being joint heirs. We are not only joint heirs, we're the adopted, if you will, if you're, if you're Gentile. We are not only joint heirs with Israel, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Now that's an even bigger thought. I don't even know how you calculate that one in your brain. Because, see, it says in the scripture that Jesus' name was lifted above all names. That Jesus was given all authority, all power, everything. When he was raised from the grave, he was given everything by the Father. And then there's this little statement that we're joint heirs with him. Boy, if there isn't a motivation to get to know him in that, then I don't know what's going to motivate you. If, if you all knew Donald Trump, probably the most powerful man in the world, if, if you knew you had access to him, you'd probably take advantage of that. You'd get to know him. You'd want to know him. You'd want to sit down and talk to him. If, if he wanted to sit down and talk to you and build a relationship with you, there isn't a soul in here, I don't believe, whether you said it or not, that wouldn't do that. And yet, we have access and opportunity with somebody 10 billion zillion times greater. But see, it's access through faith, and, and because... It's access, access through faith. That's where we struggle. That's where we struggle because, see, see, when it's in person, you can rely on the other person to kind of do stuff. And you can see them doing it. And it'll be right there and you don't have to guess. You can read their body language. You can hear what they say. Problem is, it doesn't work that way as easily with relationship with God. Because you gotta pour your faith into it. You gotta trust. Keep trusting that he'll talk to you. When? Until he does. Trust him until he does. I promise you. If you pray and you trust him to speak to you, he will. I can't put a time frame on it. For me, it took six months from when I really started going after him hard. It took six months to really understand and, and for him to speak in that profound way to me for the first time. Now, others, it could be days. It could be moments. The point is, he's there to go after. But we are joint heirs with Christ. Now, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 10. And... And I, I want to just say a couple more things. Then, Alexa, I want you to come up. And I know I take too much time. Sorry. This mystery of the church. Okay, this is not a eternal, ongoing thing, and just will be there forever and ever and ever. Right? There, there is an end to this world. There is an end to God's functioning through His church on this planet. 
there comes a point where he will take his ready bride home. Right? But I want you to understand what it, what it says here in Revelation chapter 10. And man, man alive, I, I just wish I could share all my thoughts on this, but, uh, but I, I just can't right now. Um, but let's go down. Now, remember, I want to encourage you. If, if you don't remember it or you haven't heard it, there was a message that, that uh, the Lord spoke through me. Uh, I want to say it was back in September or October, somewhere around there. And it was called the three phases. I think, was that, that's what it was called, right? Times of, the Times of the Gentiles. And underneath that, three phases. Thank you. Times of the Gentiles. It was about three months ago, three or four months ago. Look it up. Listen to it again. It talked about a parallel of what we're going through as the bride with the three woes in Revelation. And, and it, since, since I preached that, the Lord had showed me so much more about that. It, it's just really insane. One, one day he'll let me, uh, let me do that. But, but anyways, after this, the second woe, which I believe we are, we are ushering into right now, um, and I, I won't even get into that. That'll be such a rabbit hole. It won't even be funny. But um, I, I want to, right, right after the second woe, in Revelation chapter 10, there's like this reprieve, and, and, and John is sharing some other visions that he's, he's given and stuff like that. And in, in chapter 10, it says this. Um, you know what? And I'm just going to read, starting from verse 1. What I want to comment about is really in verse 7, but... Let me just read it. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud and a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring when he called out. The seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. By the way, we're going to know what those are very shortly because it's going to be declared on this earth. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. Verse 7. But that in the days of the trumpet, the seventh trumpet, okay, in, but in the days of the trumpet, call to be sounded by the seventh angel, which is in, uh, I think it's the latter part of... Uh, chapter 11, but it's the third woe, which really isn't a woe at all, except a woe to the earth, but uh, not to us. By the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. What's the mystery? The church. The mystery is the church. The mystery is the bride. So what happens to the bride here when the seventh angel, during the time of the same seventh angel giving his, his trumpet call, it says the mystery of God would be fulfilled. Just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then, uh, again, I, I'm not going to go through it, but if you go down and want to read later, 
chapter 11, starting with verse 15, that's when the seventh angel blows his trumpet. And see what it is. It's the bride. Guys, it's, it's the bride. And it is the bride being shown, Revelation 3.9, being shown throughout the world that God has favor on the bride. Never happened before, but it's coming. It's coming before the rapture. Because the rapture is the very pinnacle moment when the bride is ready and Jesus comes and gets his bride. I want to share one last thing with you. Uh, shoot, I really should. You know. you know what? On your own, read Galatians 3 and 4. Okay, just just dive into Galatians 3 and 4. Although maybe that's what the Lord gave you. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm, I'm going to just say this one last thing. Revelation chapter 3, verse, verses 14 to 22. Don't be confused. This is not talking about Christians versus non-Christians. This is talking about those who are saved. It says, I know your works. This is the church of Laodicea. I know your works. They're neither hot or cold. Would, it, would that it would have been either hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm, remember, Christian, that is lukewarm, and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Guys, that's the second woe. That's the time frame that we're entering right now. God will have his judgment on his bride. He has to. Because she, she has to be purified to be ready. I will spit you out of my mouth. And it says, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Don't be confused because, because some theologians say, well, that, that's not a saved person because when you're saved, you're given new, new garments. Okay, no, when you're saved, you're sealed. When you're saved, you're sealed. You're given new garments as you... Develop relationship with the Lord. If you don't believe me, let's read on. I counsel you, verse 18, to buy from me. This is Jesus talking. Okay? Jesus wrote these letters. This isn't the Father. This is Jesus. He said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen in the salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. See, if this is talking about salvation, your justification for sin, you couldn't buy it, guys. You couldn't buy it. Because salvation, justification for sin is a free gift. It's something you merely accept as a gift. But if that is what brings us close to God, then there'd be no requirement for buying anything. And yet Jesus says, you're lukewarm because you have not purchased gold refined by fire. You have not laid your life down to the point where I can purify it by fire. Why? Because it's painful. That's why we avoid it. We try to control our own lives to control the pain level. Not even realizing it produces a greater pain level. 
And he's just saying here, look, let me refine you. Purchase it with your faith. Purchase it with your faith. I will refine you and you will no longer be lukewarm. Because those he will spit out of his mouth. Alexis, come on. Can you go to can you go to Ephesians three six again in the ESV and then I'm going to be in the New Living and this podium is not going to hold my Bible so um, that's what you get for using the old fashioned. This is really a heavy heavy deal here. Um, I just want to mention something. I feel like the Holy Spirit just said just encourage with hope this whole heaviness of the judgment of God because we know we know that God is holy so there's obviously judgment. But the mystery that Ephesians is talking about, the fellow heirs, the members, and the promise in Christ through the gospel. The reason God gave us promises is because he wants us to be able to partake of him. So um, let me, this is where I don't have three hands. I'm not quite sure if I'm going to do this. Hand. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. All right. And here, here. Why don't you use Josh's? Microphone? Shouldn't be this complicated. All right. Yeah, so, well, it's his fault he did this, so. Okay. Just there, that can. Uh, okay, so you mean not to. I gotta turn it on. Okay. Well, now she remedied the one thing, so now I don't necessarily need that. Right. <laughs> okay. Look at Second Peter. Now, this is not going to necessarily match the screen perfectly because the New Living Translation has updates. But this is just this little section. I'll do it as briefly as, as possible here. In 2 Peter 1, starting in verse 3, as we know Jesus better, and I love, I'm memorizing the King James, but I love it in the New Living. I think it'll help you. Um, as we know Jesus better, in verse 3, his divine power gives us everything we need for a godly life. He has called us to receive his own glory and goodness. So again, it goes with the Ephesians. He's called us to receive everything that he's given us, all of the things that we have access to that Greg was just talking about. So, by, verse 4, by the same mighty power that he has given us, all of his, his rich and wonderful promises, what are those promises? The sealing of his the, of our spirits with his Holy Spirit, the promise of, of heaven, the promise of of access to his throne, the promise of all authority given to us uh, over to trample and tread on snakes and scorpions. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. The promise to overcome. He has promised, um, and again, I, I know this more in, in the King James, is he's given us exceeding, in King James it actually says, exceeding great and precious promises. I love these. Um, that he's promised that we can then have be a partaker of, or enables you, as it says here, 
to share in his divine nature. These promises were given to us to show us, hey, I've given you access to this so that you can actually be a partaker of the nature, the very nature. We talk about sin nature a lot. The nature of God is given to us in that new life. We have a new nature in Christ. This allows us to escape from the world's corruption, or in this particular translation um, update of the New Living, it says the decadence of the world that tempts you around you. We have hope to escape. You know, there's so many people that are walking powerless. They just there's problems after problems after problems. And I'll tell you the promises. Ephesians is the ecclesia word. It is the word for the churches. And that's why Ephesians is such a, a book of hope. It's such a letter of hope to the, to the Ephesians uh, church at Ephesus. Because he's saying, look, God gave you everything. And he gave you love, which you find if you read, read on in Ephesians 3. He gave you the love that passes knowledge so that your roots go down deep, that you would know the length and breadth and depth and height. And so, But in, in 2 Peter, this was just the section. So he's given you this ability to... Um, escape the, the decadence all around you and caused by the evildoers. And you will share in his divine nature. So, the conclusion then is verse 5. So, make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises to your life. Then your faith, by faith, will produce a life of moral excellence. Then a life of moral excellence will lead to knowing God even better. Knowing God leads to more self-control. I gotta tell you, without God, I got nothing. I got no self-control to to have any sense of, of overcoming victory. But with God I do. Amen. Self-control then leads to patient endurance. Patient endurance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. And finally, you will grow to have genuine love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more you will become productive and useful, victorious even, and in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to keep, to develop these virtues, are blind or at least very short-sighted. They are blind. uh, King James says, he that laugh at these things is blind. He cannot see afar off. Without this belief, without this faith, he cannot see the snare of the fowler coming. He's blind to the trap set before him. And he ends up really, really, uh, Craig said it so well, in a desperate attempt to minimize pain, it creates more pain to not believe. Mm -hmm. And they have already, um, but but those who fail, develop these virtues and are blind, is very least short-sighted, and they have already forgotten that God's cleansed them from their old life of sin. Yeah. Oh, cleanse them from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Doing this will never, you'll never stumble or fall away. And this is the best, best of it all. And God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Not just that you do all this good stuff, you're going to get to heaven. It's he will grant entrance into the kingdom realm of fellowship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's hope. That is hope. You know, sometimes even the, the, 
The truth of the weight of the word. We can know that it's true. But God always wants us to look at, at scripture and look at relationship and look at the word through his lens of love for us. Because if you, if you negate the love of God, you will lose the hope that's there. You will feel like um, you'll go back into a mentality under the law, which is just nothing but condemnation, defeat, and I can't make it. Because it's true in the law. But under grace, I can do all things through Christ. He is more than, we are more than a conqueror through him. Nothing will separate us from his love. I love in Romans 8, you know I talk about that all the time. First one is don't, there's no condemnation in him. That's the first verse, but it ends in the last verse with not only is my love not condemning, but the last verse in Romans 8 is, and nothing can separate you from my love. That's how powerful my love is. And so these are the promises. Ephesians just talks about such amazing promises. And yes, the judgment of God is coming. But that's because he is holy. He is holy. And you know what? You want that. I don't know about you, but I want accountability for the ungodly. Because when God brings that righteous judgment, it will, it will compel hearts. See, God's love constrains us to a place, to a life of holiness, a laid down life. That's where I'm thankful for godly parents that disciplined me. It, yeah. it made me want to rise to a level of, of walking in, in rightness. It, because it was done through love, and I'm very thankful for that. There, there was a lot of distorted views of love in terms of parents disciplining children when I was growing up. But they really did discipline me in love. And there was a genuine love in my home, even though there were some harsh feelings and thoughts about things um, you know, around me. And, and I'm, but I'm thankful for that. I knew that they loved me enough to correct my ways. Yeah. And God's given us promises. He's given us exceeding great and precious promises. To invite us into a, a fellowship and a partaking of his nature. Be excited about that. That is the crux of, of really the answer to everything you're facing. And many of us are struggling in, in so many ways. And, and I want you to take this concept and take what, what Greg said. Remember this, this concept that Jeff spoke about a long time ago when he used the word hosting. When the Spirit of God, there's nothing greater than what Ephesians says, that when the Holy Spirit of God is living within you and the power that that is literally is raised Jesus from the dead, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is within us, Amen. that ought to take that hosting presence. And it ought to take it into the atmosphere which we go. For some of us, it's the atmosphere in our home. If you're not in perfect unity with a laid down lives and people, with people in your home, you can take the presence of God and the authority that you have through his power, and you can shift atmospheres in your home, especially by faith. When you really start to get this and that bold confidence that he gives you, you can take, you can take that into your workplace. Take that into um, interactions with people when you meet with them. There is a force that he makes available to shift atmospheres and to really um, the freedom that you you get for yourself will work on behalf of others so don't feel don't don't walk in any life these are great and precious promises yes that allow you to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust we escape it because we carry such power oh wow if we could get the power that we carry that is everything when there was that shift within me it changed everything 
It changed it from a timidity of, oh my goodness, there might be another witch in my house, you know, or there might be another demonic presence. It changed it from a, you got no right to be here because I know who I am in the Lord Jesus. And by not, by not having that intimidation, it reminds them of the fact that they're all, they've already lost. Yes. Because Jesus already paid it all. Yeah. He didn't pay just for my ticket. He paid for my backstage, backstage access. And that is the time that we're in now. I love that analogy. So just remember that. Lead with hope in whatever you're facing. We don't have every answer, but we have the God that has every answer. So why burden ourselves with needing to know everything? Don't be like Eve. She needed to know. That was her downfall. If she had just partake of of every tree that was around her, we wouldn't be in this mess right now. Why that Eve? (laughs) So do you want to close this or want me to pray? Sure. Yes? Okay, yeah, I'll say so. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to pray and close here in a second. I I, want to read something to you, though. Um, Seriously. Can't we have these, like, hang from the ceiling or something? I mean, I know we're in a house, but come on. I want to I read a song that, that yes, I'm going to read the lyrics to a song. No, because it's more of a rap and I'm not a rapper. Yeah, okay, maybe not. Yeah, it would not be good. Sorry for you online having to put up with that. But I, I want you to listen to the words. I'll tell you why I'm reading it here in a second. When the night ain't bright, so I show some fright, I say I cannot fight, so I go and end my life. I'm tired of it. It's making me anxious. It's making me mad. It's making me feel like death ain't that bad. It's making me feel like it's all just a fantasy. All the rainbows and love, no need for me. It's just what they think. They think I'm all that. They think that I can't take the facts. I might have some depression. That doesn't matter. Because I've learned the lesson that Jesus is the factor. Because of all the laughter, because of all the tears, them kids don't got ears to hear. The Lord's voice, the one that has all the power, the one that can make the devils feel the devil feel like a coward. He sent his demons to me, thinking he was going to conquer. But then God spoke to him and said, "You can't even touch her." I know all the things that God has done, but just you wait. There's more. That will come. That was written during the service. Yvonne, you really need to pay attention to the message, though. (laughs) I'm kidding. She said she wrote it right after the the message. Yvonne put out a word that said out of the, took it from the verse, out of the mouth of the babes. You know, guys, Age is not 
a factor in what God wants to do with you. Being too young, too old, it, it doesn't matter. It's only about the willingness. It's only about finding that pearl, giving everything you have for it, and trusting him. Let's pray. Father, we worship you and praise you. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, God, that you chose this mystery that would come through the blood of your Son. This mystery that would become your bride. This mystery that would become your children. I thank you, Father, that you don't see me for who I am. I thank you for the fact that you see me for who Jesus sees I am. And Jesus' words, words cannot express my love for you. We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.